We're so grateful. We're honored, in fact, Lord God, that you have allowed us to see another day to be amongst your people, to be in your presence, in which you desire to speak with us. Uh, so, Father, our desire is that our hearts would be open and receptive to all that you have for us today, uh, that our faith would be strengthened, Lord, and that you would be pleased uh, by the spiritual progress in our life that can only happen because of the work of the Spirit in us. So, Lord God, you have your way today. And now, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock, my rock, our strength, my strength, and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we begin a new series uh, that will mainly encompass the book of Romans, but specifically about faith. You know, what exactly is faith? Uh, is faith really uh, what God has in mind if we decide that we want to jump over a mountain in, in, in one leap? Is faith really this thing in which that I can take uh, something that's not tangible and go jump off of a ledge of a building and believe that God is going to protect me? Is that what faith is? But we're going to hunker down in the book of Romans and we're going to talk about uh, this aspect of faith specifically in how it relates to us as Christians. Really, uh, without all the fluff, without all the puff, but getting down to the nitty-gritty. So let's go. Paul begins this letter here in Romans with an explicit pronouncement concerning his purpose in life, which is to be a servant of Christ Jesus. As an apostle, we see this in Romans chapter 1, verse 1. And he says his message was the gospel of God. That's what his message was, the gospel of God. But also the gospel of God, as you may know or may not know, is also known as the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of his son, the gospel of peace, or simply as the gospel. Paul has now based his entire life on this gospel, not because of this word itself, but because of his encounter with Jesus Christ, right, and the faith that he carried forward afterwards. And then in Romans chapter 1, verse 2 through 6, he expounds a bit about the nature of that gospel. He says, God promised this good news, this gospel, the good news, that he promised this good news through the prophets and scripture. That this good news was promised through his son, Jesus, whom 
is a biological descendant of David. Christ Jesus was declared the Son of God empowered as was witnessed by his resurrection from the dead. Through Jesus Christ, Paul says, is where they receive the grace and apostleship to bring about faith in all nations for the sake of Jesus' name. The point of all of this is to prime our hearts for the spiritual principle of faith which is required for belief in Christ and for living a Christian existence marked by fidelity and loyalty. Now if you were to assess your level of faith, what grade would you give your faith today? On a scale of 1 to 10, would you say your, your, your faith is an uh, intensely red 10? Or would you say it's a 1? Or would you say uh, maybe you have no faith at all? Would you give your belief in Jesus Christ in A today, today an A+, plus? would you say, you know, I'm hovering around a D or D minus in faith today. But ask yourself this question, how has your faith changed from last year this time? So would you say that your faith in Christ, that it has gotten better over time? Or would you say that uh, over the last year, you know, my faith in Christ has decreased. Brothers and sisters, faith is not about getting hyped up on Sunday mornings. You see, because once Sunday is over with, you got to deal with Monday. Can you say amen? amen. Our faith is not about jumping around on one day out of the week because there needs to be something to sustain us, something that's tangible, something that's real to sustain us on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Now normally I begin a message such as this, as you may know, by defining what do I mean by faith, right? I could easily peel off a description of faith that's found in Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But I'm not going to do that, amen? I'm not going to do that. And the reason I'm not going to do that because I want us to go on this journey and I want you to consider faith as being a, a, a prism in which you see faith in one way in, in one part of Scripture, then another way and another part of Scripture. But when we put them all together, we have this glowing example, descriptor of what faith is. But in the end, I want you to define faith according to what Scripture says. And hopefully, how I have guided you through the process. And prayerfully, your definition of faith will be in concord with what Paul says and the one that I will provide for you as well eventually. So let's turn to Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. 
the role of your faith and my faith. Look at verse 11, in fact. Verse 11. Verse 11 and 12, Romans chapter 1. Paul says here to the Romans, he says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Verse 12, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So Paul said he wanted to be encouraged by the faith of the Roman believers as well as encourage them. Do you know that one of the reasons that we come together as brothers and sisters uh, in the body of Christ is to encourage our faith? You see, if you don't get to church, if you don't gather with believers, well, okay, you don't have to go to church to have your faith encouraged by believers, but uh, I ask you, when you go to church, when you go to work, is your faith encouraged on your job? Right? What are the things that they talk about on your job? Because you probably spend more time on your job than you do at home. Do they encourage your faith on your job? So as believers, we are supposed to get together so that we can be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. What has God done in your life? Well, uh, I hear that, but listen to what God has done in my life. It's not to one-upmanship someone else, but to say that God is alive, to say that God is at work, to say that God is doing things actively in your life and in my life. That's what it's about. You know, it's time to share in real time with real people. Can you say amen? I get it. If you can't get together with some people, I know, okay, go ahead and do it on, on uh, Facebook or FaceTime. Amen? All right, I'll give that to a certain generation. But I will also say there's nothing like being in the presence of real folks. Right? Someone who can shake your hand. You know, sometimes you just might want to have a hug. Amen? You know, uh, you can't get a hug from your friend on Facebook, whether it's live or whether it's recorded. They're not going to give you a hug. You know, who knows, maybe uh, one day somebody hear this and try to invent something like that. Right? You'll be on Facebook and you want a hug from your friend and there'll be a machine on your side of, of Facebook. It'll reach out and grab you, right, and hug you. Right? Who knows? Who, who knows where technology is going? Maybe it's already out there. Who knows? So Paul is trying to tell these Roman Christians, he's trying to tell them, look, I've been trying to get to you. In other words, he's not saying, I've been trying to text you. He's not saying that I've been trying to email you. He's not saying I've been trying to Facebook you or FaceTime you. He's saying, I've been trying to get to you. He says, but it's been difficult because something has been preventing him from doing so. Hence, uh, this letter to the Roman Christians was to bring encouragement and understanding about the faith until he's actually able to be in their presence. It's really interesting that we often complain about not being able to do the things we really want to do. 
You know, I can't do this. Something has stopped me. I can't believe it. This so-and-so got in the way. I can't believe all that's happening. Not realizing that, that God may want to use those obstacles, right, for his own glory. Can you say amen? <laughs> Surely Paul could not have imagined that uh, this letter to the Romans found here in our scripture would one day make it all the way to the Americas that would make it all the way to a very land that had not been explored by the Europeans, that had not been explored uh, by the Middle Easterners, right? It had not been explored. Uh, uh, Paul had no idea that one day uh, that the very trial, whatever prevented him from getting to the Romans, that his letter to them would be an encouragement to us today. So no, brothers and sisters, that sometimes the trials and tribulations that you go through, that stuff that's stopping you from being, that you think from being what you need to be, that sometimes God wants to use that. God wants to use that, and he may use that to encourage someone else. So Paul's obstacle of not being able to get to the Romans was a godsend for us without which we would not have had the riches of God's heart pinned for us from over 2,000 years ago. So while Paul uh, couldn't get to them, he didn't want them to think it was because he was ashamed or something like that. You know that Paul, he keeps saying he's, he's going to come and visit us. I don't know what his problem is, but he keeps saying he's going to come visit us. I wonder if he's ashamed. I wonder if he's embarrassed. Are you embarrassed concerning the gospel? Are you embarrassed about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now Romans 1 verse 16. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says, for it is the power of God for what? For salvation. To whom? Some people, but uh, not to some people, but to everyone who believes. Verse 16 here begins by Paul stating that he was not ashamed, he was not embarrassed by the gospel. Uh, last night, as uh, I was on a break uh, performing, uh, one of the guys in the group was uh, quite a few people around. He says, hey, preacher, talking to me, he says, so what you, what you preaching on tomorrow? So, you know, sometimes you get around friends and peers and so on and so forth. Uh, sometimes you try to uh, 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 soften the impact of what you say or maybe not say it fully uh, concerning what you really think about concerning the Lord. So he says, what are you, what are you preaching on tomorrow, preacher? I said, from faith to faith. I said, Paul says, and I told him, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. 
So as I began to tell him, he asked me the question publicly. Now everyone is getting the answer publicly as well. See, sometimes we could either push in and, and, and tell people about Jesus, or other times we can just be embarrassed about what we really believe. What about you? Are you embarrassed about the gospel? Or you don't want to talk about Jesus because you know how you really are. You can't talk about Jesus because your lifestyle is in opposition to all that Jesus speaks of. But I want you to know that regardless of what the case is, that God gives you today. Amen? Uh, so whatever you didn't do yesterday, that God will give you grace today and God will give you grace tomorrow not to be ashamed of the gospel. Amen? So this declaration that Paul makes about not being ashamed, not being embarrassed of the gospel was not one for us to grasp and hold on to, that it really wasn't meant for us, but it was just the fact of Paul's spiritual state of mind. He was just telling them a fact. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You may be thinking to yourself that, you, that I'm not showing up uh, because I'm ashamed of all the stuff I'm believing. And Paul said, let me, let me give you a fact, right? Let me drop some knowledge to you right now, Roman Christian. He says, I ain't ashamed of the gospel, right? Southside translation. I ain't ashamed of the gospel. I ain't embarrassed. Uh-uh, uh-uh, I ain't embarrassed. We found this out as Paul repeatedly preached the gospel in places and to people that would threaten his life. We know Paul was not embarrassed. Paul's preaching of the gospel uh, sent both he and Silas uh, in, in Macedonia uh, for which they believed the Holy Spirit had sent him in Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 19, the preaching of that gospel had caused a riot in Ephesus. Would you preach the gospel if you knew that it would cause a riot? Would you really talk about Jesus Christ if you knew that it would make people so mad that they would want to throw you in jail? <laughs> the preaching of the gospel eventually saw Paul in prison again and taken to Rome, not before being shipwrecked and then bitten by a snake that would have normally killed the average person. Would you preach the gospel if you know by preaching the gospel would get you an encounter with a poisonous snake that could take your life? If God called you today, I want you to go to Africa to preach the gospel for a week, would you go? If God called you uh, to go to South America to preach the gospel, would you go today? If God called you to go to China, or here's one, to go to Russia to preach the gospel, or North Korea, would you go? You say, well, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I just I don't want to end up in jail. So for Paul, you know, these encounters with a life-threatening situation and, and, and constant persecution does not sound like a man who's ashamed of the gospel. But in case the believers in Rome thought it differently, he wanted to get them straight at the beginning of this letter. So Paul not being ashamed of the gospel was because he knew it was the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Is there enough power in God for salvation for you to be saved? 
Is there enough for your brothers and your sisters? Is there enough for your co-worker, uh, for, for the very one that seems so obstinate, uh, those that hate Jesus Christ? Is there enough power in the gospel to save them? And your answer is what? There's enough power there to save those who say they don't want anything to do with Christianity. There is enough power there. But then he goes on to say, he says, not only for everyone, he says, uh, to the Jew first. What? Uh, just leave it at everyone, Paul. Why you got to bring up the Jews all of a sudden? You see, this message of faith was intended for Jews, but it had worldwide implication. Yes, I said uh, that the message of Jesus Christ was intended first for the Jews. Right? So recall... Who was the one that was supposed to bring the gospel of the law to the rest of the world in the Old Testament? It was the Hebrews. It was Israel. But they were unfaithful in, in what they were doing. But God uh, had a covenant with them, and even in that covenant, God still wants to save the Jews. Amen? Yet, the children of Israel had gone astray, and God was calling them back to himself, and he did it through Jesus Christ. Yes, that's right. That God had intended to bring back the Jews in tens, right, currently, actively, to bring the Jews back to himself through Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus Christ, who would be the one that fulfilled the prophecies about the Messiah who would save his people. The gospel was intended for those who would and those who will believe. Now going back and forth trying to figure out if the law had any bearing on salvation, that law, that Old Testament, oh, I don't live by the Old Testament anymore. I'm all in the New Testament. That law was for them. See, the law had to be kept at one time, but even following the law required faith. Did you know that? It doesn't require faith to do something just because somebody told you to do it. You just did it because they told you to do it. Boy, I want you to go and get those clothes out to dry them. It doesn't require faith to do that. You just do what? You get up and you go do it. But it became a huge problem for the Jews who thought that following rules was enough to appease God whom they thought they served. So God's word, and then Paul was absolutely clear that this gospel was intended for the Jew first. And then the Jews, they rejected Jesus Christ in his bid to gather them back to the Lord. Uh, take a look at Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. Matthew 23, verse 37, and Jesus speaks to the Jews, and he says this, he speaks and he calls him Old Jerusalem. He's talking about Israel. He says, Old Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. God says in Jesus Christ, 
He's saying uh, that I'm calling you back to me. Uh, I want you to know that I love you, but yet they rejected Christ. But even this was not enough for Paul to give up and not make headway again for the people of Israel. Why? Because God had a covenant to fulfill with them, and he is going to have his way eventually. Eventually, there will be plenty of Jews who will come back to Jesus Christ. Romans 11, chapter 1 and 2. Romans 11, 1 and 2. Paul says here, I ask then, has God rejected his people? He says in Greek, me gonoito. He says, absolutely not. By no means, he says. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. So uh, concerning, even though there are many Jews who have not found Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the scripture says what? God has not what? He has not rejected his people. So God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? So even in the midst of that, God has not rejected his people. He still wants those who will be faithful to him uh, to get to him through Jesus Christ, through the Messiah. And brothers and sisters, it's going to happen. Amen? Guess what? God may use you to bring a Jew back to himself. Have you ever thought about that before? God may use you to bring a Jew, a Jewish and Israelite, back to himself. Because, why? Because you are not ashamed of what? Huh. What causes the people of God to be so set on reaching out to the Jews who reject the Messiah? Why do it? Again, because they are in covenant with the Lord and God will have his way, but it will happen when the Jews want it to happen, when they're ready, when their hearts are primed. The Lord will not force them. God does not force you to follow his ways. Did you, do you not know that? God is not going to bend your arm behind your back, but God will put you in circumstances. God will place you in, in situations where finally you don't have a choice. Well, you do have a choice. But in my estimation, you don't have a choice uh, uh, to f whether or not to follow him. Eventually, God is going to co come after you. God will come after you until you finally say yes or no. There is no middle ground concerning God. You cannot continuously try to be on both sides of the fence. You're on God's side of the fence one day, right? The next day, you're on the other side of the fence. Uh, next day, you're on God's side of the fence. You can't make it your mind. God says, choose you this day whom you will serve. If God is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But God says you will not be lukewarm. He says you either be hot or you be cold. Or else, if you are lukewarm, he says, I will what? I will uh, spit you out of my mouth. You are so distasteful. God says, I'm not having that stuff. You keep on playing games with me. Keep on. Keep on playing games with me. 
and you get ready to find out who the real, real deal is. Amen? Paul says in Romans 10.1, about the Jews, he says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, that is Israel, is that they may be what? Saved. Paul wants his people to be saved. So we know that the gospel is for the Jew first, and then it's for anyone from any other nation as well. Salvation comes through Jewish means, so it doesn't matter where your salvation comes from if it's righteous and holy. You see, yes, Jesus was a Jew, right? So your salvation comes through Jewish means. So do you care? Even among the prophets, they repeatedly declared so that they would know the Lord, so that they would know the Lord, so that they would know the Lord. Uh, like I say, even though God had the Jews uh, in, in, in focus, it wasn't only about them. Uh, Isaiah chapter 19, verse 21. Isaiah 19, verse 21. For those of you who said, well, no, I don't see all that of what you're talking about in the scripture. Well, Isaiah 19, verse 21. And the Lord will make himself known to who? To the who? All right. Are, are the Egyptians Jews? No, they're not. And the Lord will make himself known to the Egyptians and the who? They will what? They will what? No, the Egyptians. That land full of all kind of, again, polytheistic in nature, the Egyptians will know the Lord in that day and worship with sacrifice and offering. And they will make vows to the Lord and perform them in that day. How will the Egyptians come to God? How will the Egyptians get to heaven? How about that? How will they get to heaven? What's the answer? Come on. Through the gospel, which is Jesus Christ. So the Egyptians will get to heaven through the gospel of Jesus Christ. How will the Jews get to heaven? Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, how uh, will the South Africans get to heaven? Uh, how will the Japanese get to heaven? Uh, how will the Russians get to heaven? Right? Through the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the Lord's desire not only for the Egyptian, but also for the Assyrian. And anyone else who has a heart to know the Lord. God wants us to know him whether we come from Japan, Russia, China, Malaysia, India, Europe, or Africa. It doesn't make a difference. The Lord wants everyone to know him without question. God created us for his good pleasure. He didn't create us because he didn't have nothing else to do. He created us for his good pleasure. And he created the earth as to be one giant worship center. Amen? And which once he placed people on the earth, it should have been full of worshipers. And it started off that way. Now the earth is full of vandals, tearing up stuff, full of idol worshipers. 
Now let's look at the gospel being the power of God for salvation. Salvation means one who have been saved from something, but what is that something? In other words, we say, are you saved? I'm saved. I'm saved. What do we say? I'm saved, sanctified. And they say what? Filled with the Holy Ghost. How are you doing today? I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Right? What does it mean to be saved? What exactly does that mean? Well, see, in order to be saved, it means that you've been rescued from something. It means that you have been delivered from something. It means that you were in a position that something bad was going to happen, and then somehow someone or something saved you. I was in a pool of water. As a matter of fact, I don't even have to make this story up. Uh, one day, I told you this story years ago, in which uh, one, of my neighbor, one of our neighbors on our block, they had a swimming pool in the back. His name was Mr. Daniels. I think I was about nine, uh, eight or nine, uh, maybe even ten years old, whatever the case may be. I always get in trouble. And I, I wanted so desperately to go into that swimming pool, right? I would see all the kids on the block swimming, but I could not swim. I couldn't swim. I couldn't swim a lick. I couldn't, at that time, I, at least now I can get to the edge. Can you say amen? At that time, I could not get to the edge. So anyway, he would have these days. Once a week, he'd invite all the, the kids on the block into his pool. And then one day, I just, I wanted to go so bad. So I said, you know what? I'm putting on my trunks, and I'm going swimming. You know that you know this is going to really turn out real good, right? So I'm, I'm going, I go walk down the alley because I know I shouldn't have been there. So I go, go down, I didn't even go down the, the main street. I walk through the alley with swim trunks on, right? And I get there. I say, I want to swim. So Mr. Daniels, he says, can you swim, David? And you know what I said? I said, uh-uh, yes, I can. He says, okay. So, and, and I'm thinking that's the end of that story, right? He picks me up. My whole body. He said, okay, here we go. I'm like, well, 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 what do you mean here we go? And I'm, I'm, trying, to, uh, I'm trying to protest. He can't hear me because all the other kids, they splashing around. He picks me up and he throws me into the pool. And you know what was happening to me, right? Your brother was starting to drown. So he's looking at me. He's watching me. And then he realizes that I can't swim. He jumps in, and he what? He, he saves me because I was about to die. Uh, the wrath of water. So if you are saved, you have been thrown into this melee of sin and wickedness for which you can't make it to the edge. Because the edge is too far. You can't save yourself. But then Jesus Christ, he comes in and he says that I'm going to save you. And you're like, save me for what? I know that I'm drowning. I know uh, that I, I'm about to die, uh, but save me from what? And the scripture says, save us from the wrath of God. You are saved from the wrath of God. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. 
Romans 1, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. <laughs> it's the wrath of God. In case you missed this the other times I said it, God ain't playing with y'all. God is not playing with us. God says that, look, if you don't follow my plan, you're going to experience my wrath. How would you like an eternity of whippings all the time? God's like, I, I, I'm not worse than whippings, right? Uh, God said, I'm not playing with you. Uh, how can a God have wrath? Uh, the question is, how can God be so righteous? You're saying that you don't believe in all that wrath. I said, keep on living, and one day you're going to experience what God was talking about, which is the truth. The wrath of God has been revealed against all ungodliness, and if you are ungodly, consider the gospel as an olive branch. It is an olive branch you did not want to find. It is an olive branch that you did not grow. And it is not an olive branch in which you extended to another, but it is one that God has extended to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is a branch which is extended to you. If you have not grabbed hold of it yet, today is your day to grab hold of it because salvation is yours. The gospel, therefore, being the power of God for salvation to deliver you from a wrath and the judgment you are going to wish you did not have to go through. You know, have you ever done things in your life and, and when it was over with, you're like, why did I even go through that in the first place? That was so dumb. Why did I do that in the first place? This is going to be one of those things in which it's going to be too late. You're going to, ask, you're going to tell you, ask yourself, why did I do that? That was the dumbest thing I ever made, did in my life. That was the dumbest decision that I made. It's simplistic to think that everything is okay now and you will not suffer anything more than anyone else who walked the earth. Well, everybody else is okay, so I'm going to be all right. <laughs> is that what you think? You may think that the gospel is something that is made up uh, like a fairy tale in order to keep people in line. You see, at one time, uh, I shouldn't say just at one time, even today some people say that Christianity is nothing but the white man's religion in order to keep black people in subjugation. In order to keep the black man down, uh, Christianity was made up. Well, while we have truly seen, uh, we, we've seen the truth, right? We've seen a heretical version. Yes, and I say heretical. We have seen a heretical version of Christianity promoted in Europe, uh, in the Americas over the years. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is real and he still calls in the people today. And that heretical Christianity was not true Christianity. Yes, we have seen Christianity marginalized by individuals, churches, corporations who sought to exploit human beings for the sake of wealth, and that was strong, uh, that, and it was wrong, and it was supposed to uh, cause these believers in order to get more funds and more money, and they supported it. And they, even when they saw people being treated badly, they would sit by silently. That even them, brothers and sisters, that God will judge them. They will be judged by the Lord. Until then, know that the gospel is the power of God to save or to rescue. 
Jews and Gentiles from the wrath of God, which is surely to arrive on this earth one day. It's on his way. The wrath of God is coming. So with all of that, Paul had to endure for the sake of the gospel. He was, uh, was still not ashamed of it. And he didn't hesitate to speak up when it came time to speak the truth. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And his life demonstrates it. What about you? Righteousness consistent with God's character is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith. Righteousness consistent with God's character is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith. Romans 1 verse 17. And these two connections I need for you to make them. For it says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the, righteousness, the righteous shall live by faith. First part, very quickly, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, or faith to faith. And then remember, verse 18, it says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, right? So uh, the righteousness of God is revealed in Jesus Christ. So the wrath of God is revealed, but also the righteousness of God is revealed in, from faith for faith. In the gospel, there is an allocated righteousness that only God can provide. While it seems our passage indicates, right, we just read, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, that is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Uh, and our passage indicates that the gospel uh, is God's righteousness. Well, is, uh, that, that, that's really true, and it is a righteousness that is consistent with God's character. What this passage really means is talking about a righteousness which is going to be conveyed on those who have faith in Jesus Christ. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. This is not something that just speaks of his character, but this is a righteousness that will be conferred upon you in your faith. You are not righteous because of anything you have done. And neither are you righteous because anything you will do. Uh, you've heard the testimony before. God saved me because what I'm going to do for him one day. Wrong. Or God saved me uh, because he knew, uh, he knew how I was going to act. Wrong again. God saved you because you had faith in Jesus Christ. And it is Jesus Christ who gives you the ability to stand before God rightly. You are righteous because Jesus Christ suffered and died on the cross for your sin. That's why you're righteous. So that righteousness which comes from God is a righteousness consistent with his character. But then, listen, that righteousness is given to unbelievers. What? Did you know that righteousness is given to unbelievers? I ask that question again. Did you know that God's righteousness is given to unbelievers? Because if it's not true, then you were once an unbeliever, yes? And if you were once an unbeliever, how did you get your righteousness? You received your righteousness because God, what? He 
gave it to you. So God gives his righteousness to unbelievers. Another way to understand this is to know our righteousness is a status given to us as a result of an action of God. Our righteousness is a status given to us as a result of the action of God. Again, not due to our own actions. Those in the Old Testament, they understood things a different way. In the Old Testament, righteousness was understood within the context of the covenant with God uh, and his people Israel. Therefore, in order to declare it righteous, one had to abide under the law. They had to abide under, thou shalt not do this, right? Uh, you remember part of the law, I always bring up the story about how they had to wear their hair, right? They couldn't wear polyester, amen? They couldn't wear some of the clothes you all have. Did you realize that if you today uh, had some of the clothes you have on now and you were under the old covenant, un under the law, do you know that you would be considered unrighteous, unrighteous before God? Yes, the clothes that you have on. Because God said you can't mix up fabrics together. Some of you got, some of you got uh, a microfiber, which is polyester, and some other kind of ester all mixed together in wool and things like that. No, 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 no. That was part of the law. God said, I'm not having all that stuff going on here. So the people, they began to falsely assume that as long as they did what the law told them to do, that they were righteous. Well, as long as I do it, I'm going to be okay. Have you ever had a, a parent tell you before they tell you to do something right and you didn't want to do it and you go ahead and do it and you, and you snatch, uh, for instance, your parents say, Go ahead and put the dishes away. You really didn't want to do it, right? So you get those dishes, you snatching and knock stuff down. You're putting it away, right? But you knocking stuff down, stuff on the floor, knocking it down, putting it back, and you because your attitude is just jacked up. And then your parents say, what I want you to do, I want you to take all them dishes back out. I want you to re-wash them, put them on a rack, and then put them in the drawers or in the cabinets the right way. Well, what do you mean the right way? I did it the right way. It's a fix your face. So you can do things one way, but your heart betrays how you really feel about the person that told you to do it. See, those, uh, some of those that were making sacrifice to God, they were giving their calves, they were giving the bull, they were giving of the sheep, they were giving of the dolls, but their heart was not in it. You see, even under the law, it still required faith. We start off with no faith because on our own we were no good. There was nothing there. Jesus came knocking on our door and nobody answered. You see, concerning our faith, it is God himself who must begin to get to work. We can't live by laws and edicts and commandments and statutes, right? That does not make us righteous. The righteous status that has been conferred on believers today is one that can only be, uh, uh, can only be had through faith. It says, from faith to faith, as a, or as our translation says, uh, for faith, for faith. The 
point is nevertheless the same. Faith is the operative word that gets us to a place of righteousness which can only be given through the power of God in Christ Jesus. Faith, for the sake of faith, is not our goal. I just want to have faith, right, uh, so that I'll get this job tomorrow. I just want to have faith so this man that I'm really looking for will finally speak. I, I, Lord, I've been praying about that man. God. And I've told you before, sometimes it's better to be by yourself than to be with the wrong man or the wrong woman. Can you say amen? Sometimes, look, I have a friend right now. This is what she told me. She told me a couple of years ago, God sent me that man. Oh, yes, she did. God, I said, wait, well, wait a minute. She said, what do you mean? I said, God, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God sent me that man. And then we're going to do this, that, and the other. We're doing it together. And I had never experienced such joy, such happiness. I said, but have you, you, you know what I'm going to ask, right? Have you gotten, oh, no, we okay. We, God sent me this. I know that God sent this man. And then I saw this person last year. I said, how's your marriage? Well, that's a different story. I said, well, what do you mean? I, I said, I, I thought you said that God sent, and I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be coy with her. I, was, I, was, I, said, I thought you said God sent this man to you. Well, things just didn't work out. See, sometimes we want to have faith in God. We're trying to put things on God that God never gave us in the first place. You see, when, when stuff gets messed up, don't blame God, right? Because you're blaming God early saying God sent them in the first place or sent her. Come on, guys. Some of you guys, you, uh, right? you, you already know what I'm saying. The woman for the wrong reason. Ladies, the man... Uh, for the wrong reason. So not faith uh, just so you can get by with the stuff that you want to do. But anyway, so here in verse 17, Paul, he quotes a passage from uh, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4. The prophet Habakkuk there was making complaints about seeing the wicked prosper and the worshiper of false gods constantly getting away with doing wrong. Have you ever wondered why bad people seem to get away with dirt over and over again? Hmm. Habakkuk told the Lord he doesn't understand why bad folks are not being punished for their misdeeds. There's no doubt in Habakkuk's mind that God knows what's going on. Don't you know when stuff is not happening right? Are you aware that God knows what's going on? But it's even more perplexing because Habakkuk says that God's eyes are too pure to look on evil. So if your eyes are too pure to look on evil and all this bad stuff is happening and these bad folks are getting away with murder, then why are you allowing it to happen? This does not make sense to a prophet who knows that God is righteous in every way. And then the Lord finally answers, answers Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2, 
verses 3 and 4. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. I want you to hear what the prophet is saying. Listen. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Verse 4. Behold, his soul is puffed up. He's talking about the, uh, the people who are wicked, who, are, who seem not to be punished. God is saying, behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. Now, here it is. But the righteous shall live by his or her what? So God is saying, I know you're seeing this, that, and the other out here in the world. I know people are being treated wrong. But you are believers in Jesus Christ. You know that my eyes are too pure to look on evil. You know the wicked seems to prosper. But God says, you live by faith. You don't understand, God, because every time I go to work, people are stealing supplies out of the supply closet. And then they're talking about me. And God says, the righteous shall live by their faith. But you don't understand, God, every time I take uh, two steps forward, someone push me back three. But God says, the righteous shall live by her faith. But God, you don't understand how hard it is. I'm just trying to make it on a daily basis and other folks are skipping ahead because they know someone. But God says the righteous shall live by his faith. But God, you don't understand. I've been scratching and scraping and trying to pull myself up. Uh, but God says the righteous shall live by their faith. Whatever you're going through, brothers and sisters, whatever problems that you are faced, know that the righteous shall live by their faith. Faith to know that Jesus has saved you. Faith to know that God will take care of his business because God is a taking care of business kind of God. Amen? Know uh, that God has your back when you don't see him, that God is there. The reason that your foot has not slipped is because God has held your hand. The righteous shall live by their faith. The righteous shall live by their faith. You have been delivered by faith. You must live by faith. Brothers and sisters, God got your back. God got this. Can you say amen? Can you say thank you, Jesus? Come on, stand to your feet with me, please.